Welcome to Everything Yesterday This Morning, a 15 to 20 minute daily recap of headlines you may have missed. Come for the news, stay for the snarky commentary. Good morning and welcome to Tuesday's edition of Everything Yesterday This Morning. I'm your host, literally Heather. I apologize for not getting an episode out yesterday. I had a podcast um, and then an entire day of stuff going on. So we are back at it today. And another Twitter files dropped yesterday. So uh, this one was fairly small, but pretty crucial on two fronts. So I'm going to break it down for you guys. In mid-December of 2020, Nina Morshauser, who is a lobbyist for Twitter in Europe, emailed colleagues with a dire warning. The drug maker BioNTech, along with the German government, had contacted her with news of an imminent, quote, campaign targeting the pharmaceutical companies developing the COVID-19 vaccine, she wrote. The campaign they were concerned about was the launch of an international push to force the drug industry to share the intellectual property and patents associated with coronavirus vaccine development. Making the patents available, in turn, would allow countries across the world to swiftly manufacture generic vaccines and other low-cost therapeutics to deal with the ongoing pandemic. But that would cut into profits, right? We can't help those poor countries. That's not allowed. How foolish. Silence, peasants. Pay the price we set forth. This is crucial point number one. It was never about safety. It was never about prevention. It was never the deadliest virus ever. It was about profitability. And I want to be clear. I support capitalism and the free market. Go make that money. But don't lie and pretend it's, quote, for the greater good. Be upfront that you work to make that vaccine and that you're ready to get paid for your efforts. But also, don't be a douchebag company and lie about the efficacy in an effort to make your drugs seem more valuable. Morshauser flagged the corporate accounts of Pfizer, BioNTech, Moderna, and AstraZeneca for her colleagues to monitor and shield from activists. Morshauser also asked colleagues to monitor the hashtags, uh, hashtag people's vaccine and hashtag join CTAP, which is a reference to the World Health Organization's COVID-19 technology access pool. That is a program that was promoted by, de- by developing countries to accelerate the development of vaccines through the equitable sharing of research and manufacturing capacity. She noted that the group Global Justice Now was spearheading the action with an online sign-up form. It looks like Big Pharma hates the word equitable as much as I do. In May of 2021, the Biden administration reversed its earlier position and that of the Trump administration and voice support for the WTO waiver, making the United States one of the largest wealthy countries to support the idea, backed by a coalition led by India and South Africa. But infighting, of course, hits the government at the international trade body, along with staunch opposition from other wealthy countries, prevented any effective progress on the issue. The largely successful assault against the creation of generic vaccines resulted in an unprecedented explosion in profit 
for a few select biopharmaceutical drug interests. Pfizer and BioNTech generated a staggering $37 billion in revenue from its shared mRNA vaccine in 2021 alone, making it one of the most lucrative drug products of all time. Moderna, which made $17.7 billion from vaccine sales in 2021, recently announced its plan to hike the price of its COVID shot by 400%. The high cost of vaccines and concentrated ownership meant that supplies in 2021 were hoarded in the European Union, United Kingdom, United States, Canada, Japan, and other wealthy countries, while much of the developing world was forced to wait for access to vaccines the following year. Nick Dearden, who is the director of Global Justice Now, noted that at the time of BioNTech's censorship request, much of the world was under various lockdown orders, making digital forms of protest all the more vital for influencing public policy. To try to stifle digital dissent during a pandemic, when tweets and emails are some of the only forms of protest available to those who are locked in their homes, is deeply sinister, he said. Stronger, a campaign run by Public Good Projects, is a public health nonprofit that specializes in large-scale media monitoring programs. Regularly, they communicated with Twitter on regulating content related to the pandemic. The firm worked closely with the San Francisco social media giant to help develop bots to censor vaccine misinformation and, at times, sent direct requests to Twitter with lists of accounts to censor and verify. Internal Twitter emails show regular correspondence between an account manager at Public Good Projects with various Twitter officials, including Todd O'Boyle, who is a lobbyist with the company and served as a point of contact with the Biden administration. The content moderation requests were sent through throughout 2021 and in early 2022. The entire campaign, newly available tax documents and other disclosures show, was entirely funded by the Biotechnology Innovation Organization, also known as BIO. They're a vaccine industry lobbying group. BIO is financed by companies such as Moderna and Pfizer, provided stronger with $1,275,000 in funding for the effort, which included tools for the public to flag content on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook for moderation. This brings me to crucial point number two. Social media, Twitter included, was quite literally whoring itself out as a mechanism of surveillance, monitoring, silencing, and amplification to anyone willing to pay. Now, in fairness, many of the tweets that were flagged by Stronger contained absolute falsehoods, including claims that the vaccine contained microchips and that they were designed to intentionally kill people. But others actually remained in kind of a gray area of vaccine policy, through which there is reasonable debate, such as requests to label or take down content critical of vaccine passports and government mandates to require vaccination. 
One tweet that was flagged by the bio-backed moderation effort read, if a vaccinated person and an unvaccinated person have roughly the same capacity to carry, shed, and transmit the virus, particularly in its Delta form, what difference does implementing a vaccination passport actually make to the spread of the virus? Public health experts and civil libertarians strongly debated the constitutionality of such passports, an idea that was eventually discarded by U.S. policymakers. Joe Smizer, who's the chief executive of Public Good Projects, was in charge of the Stronger campaign. He said his organization's work was a good faith effort to battle disinformation. Bio contributed money and said, you guys are planning on running a pro-vaccine, anti-vaccine misinformation effort. We'll give you $500,000 a year, no questions asked. Many pharmaceutical lobby groups made exaggerated claims about the danger of sharing vaccine technology. Pharma, or I guess it's PHRMA, another drug industry lobby group, falsely claimed on Twitter that any effort to allow the creation of a generic COVID vaccine would result in placing all 4.4 million jobs supported by the entire American drug industry at risk. Smizer was asked whether his group ever flagged any content distributed by the pharmaceutical lobby as misinformation. He agreed that policy debate was important, and if misinformation was spread by pharmaceutical companies, any global citizen should be aware of it. But his organization never flagged or focused on any drug industry content. Do you notice that? They can say whatever they want, even if it's a bold-faced lie. But you can't even argue the constitutional merit of something as tyrannical as a vaccine passport. These Twitter files are largely being ignored in the mainstream press, which is to the detriment of the entire nation and, if I'm being honest, the world. The level of manipulation, power, and influence that is being used and abused against not just the citizens of the United States, but the entire world is astounding, and very few people are talking about it. This drop came from Lee Fang, and I have shared it um, I shared his thread in the show notes, so make sure you check that out. Uh, keeping with the theme of science gone awry, a unique CRISPR system that destroys infected cells is unlike anything scientists have ever seen before, and it could revolutionize how we use the powerful gene editing technology in the future. A quick 101 on CRISPR technology in the event that you are not familiar While bacteria can infect humans, they themselves can also be infected. A virus can inject its DNA into a bacterial cell and then use the cell like a virus factory, creating more and more copies of itself inside of the cell until it bursts. Just like we have an immune system to protect us against infections, some bacteria have a defense system called CRISPR. CRISPR lets bacteria collect short DNA sequences from viruses that it has seen before. Once it has a new DNA sequence, the CRISPR system creates CRISPR-associated or CAS proteins, which contain copies of the sequence written in RNA. 
Yeah, I know you're familiar with those last three letters, huh? There are several different Cas proteins, but the one we know the most about is Cas9. Once created, it will float around a cell waiting for its target to try to infect the bacteria again. If that happens, the RNA sequence in the Cas9 protein will bind to the matching sequence in the viral DNA and cut through both sides of its double helix. The sliced-up viral DNA can then be destroyed by other proteins in the bacteria, stopping the infection. In 2012, scientists at Lawrence Berkeley National Laboratory published a paper showing that CRISPR could be used for genome editing. It turned out to be wildly successful, and not just in bacteria. If you correctly program Cas9, you can deactivate or remove genes in plants, animals, and even humans. Because that's what we should be doing, said pretty much no one ever, except for the scientists who like to play with this technology. Um, Researchers in the United States and Germany have published two papers detailing a new CRISPR protein, Cas12A2 which they say is more like a genetic Swiss army knife than a pair of scissors. With this new system, we're seeing a structure and function unlike anything that's been observed in CRISPR systems to date. Uh, That was said by researcher Ryan Jackson from Utah State University. While other CRISPR systems bind to their target sequence, make their cut, and then stop, the researchers learned through a technique called cryo-electron microscopy Scrop microscopy, microscopy, microscopy. Holy cow. <laughs> it is one of those days. Um, when Cas12A2 binds to its target, it seems to quote unquote activate or transforming in shape. Once activated, the protein can bind to any genetic material that comes near it, whether it's single stranded RNA, single stranded DNA double-stranded DNA, Cas12A2 then starts shredding the material, making multiple cuts in indiscriminate locations. Because the genetic material can belong to the bacteria itself, the result can be cellular death. Essentially, CRISPR causes the infected cell to self-destruct, rather than let it become a virus factory. It's poor for that particular cell, but it protects the whole colony of bacteria so that the virus doesn't spread through it. The good news so far is that Cas12A2 looks programmable, meaning we might be able to use it to kill certain cells, such as those with cancerous mutations, while leaving healthy cells unharmed. If Cas12A2 could be harnessed to identify, target, and destroy cells at the genetic level, the potential therapeutic applications are significant. This article does go in-depth as to how it would be possible to program the CRISPR to target cancer cells and a whole bunch of other in-depth information, but I already feel like God is giving me the evil eye for even discussing this, and Darwin rolled over in his grave. So if you want to know more, just check it out. It's in my show notes. Um, A group of GOP Wyoming state lawmakers want to end electric vehicle sales by 2035, saying the move will help safeguard the oil and gas industries. The measure introduced to the state legislature on Friday was sponsored by six state legislators who said in that electric vehicles will hinder Wyoming's ability to trade with other states. 
the bill that citizens and industries would be encouraged not to purchase electric vehicles before the ban goes into effect. The proliferation of electric vehicles at the expense of gas-powered vehicles will have deleterious impacts on Wyoming's communities and will be detrimental to Wyoming's economy and the ability for the country to efficiently engage in commerce. The legislation said that adding new power charging stations would require massive amounts of new power to sustain the misadventure of electric vehicles. The bill added that the oil industry has employed thousands of people in the state, 15 other states meanwhile, including New York and California, have moved to ban gas-powered vehicle sales. The last clause of the bill instructs Wyoming Secretary of State to send a copy of the bill to the California governor, who has backed his state's ban on gas-powered vehicles throughout his governorship. Although happening at a rather snail's pace, the national divorce is happening if you're paying close enough attention. Gun rights, tax law, abortion, gas-powered vehicles, states are clearly indicating where they stand and affording people the opportunity to vote with their feet. While grading essays for his World Religions course last month, Anthony Amen, a professor of philosophy at Northern Michigan University, read what he said was easily the best paper in the class. It explored the morality of burqa bans with clean paragraphs, fitting examples, and rigorous arguments. A red flag instantly went up. Amen confronted his student over whether he had written the essay himself. The student confessed to using ChatGPT, a chatbot that delivers information, explains concepts, and generates ideas in simple sentences, and in this case, had written the paper. Alarmed by his discovery, Amon decided to transform essay writing for his courses this semester. He plans to require students to write first drafts in the classroom, using browsers that monitor and restrict computer activity. In later drafts, students have to explain each revision. Amon, who may forego essays in subsequent semesters, also plans to weave ChatGPT into lessons by asking students to evaluate the chatbot's responses. Across the country, university professors like Amon, department chairs, and administrators are starting to overhaul classrooms in response to ChatGPT, prompting a potentially huge shift in teaching and learning. Some professors are redesigning their courses entirely, making changes that include more oral exams, group work, and handwritten assessments in lieu of typed ones. Interesting, the way that classrooms are supposed to work by teaching you how things work in real life. Like going backwards, it's glorious to observe. That has upended some middle and high schools with teachers and administrators trying to discern whether students are using the chatbot to do their schoolwork. Some public school systems, including in New York City and Seattle, have since banned the tool on school Wi-Fi networks and devices to prevent cheating, although students can easily find workarounds to access ChatGPT. In higher education, colleges and universities have been reluctant to ban the tool because administrators doubt the move would be effective and they don't want to infringe on academic freedom. Holy 
bananas. You guys want to put masks on kids' faces and and tell them that that's necessary, but you don't want to infringe on academic freedom. Holy cow. That means the way people teach is changing instead. As an aside, I recently got into a bit of a heated debate with ChatGPT regarding the differences between the patriarchy and second wave feminism. I will be sharing that video soon with you guys. That is everything yesterday, this morning, on this lovely Tuesday. I hope you guys have a great day, and I will see you tomorrow. If you like today's show, be sure to subscribe and turn on notifications so you never miss an episode. Also, please don't forget to check out shouseinthehouse.com and never forget that free men do not need permission from any government. Have a great day.